Or, so hopefully I've put everyone up on here. Obviously none of these types of discovery projects are isolated in any sense. So I've had a lot of help from a lot of different people and their resources. Um, and um, obviously the Masonic Temple. Hopefully some of you went there last night and got to experience their lovely space. They do like to rent that out and have festivities there. Um, so we, And we've been very fortunate to work with them on this building and have been um, thrilled with their support for the history of the building and the role that they want to play in downtown Bozeman and the role that they want to play further in terms of being a good neighbor. And you'll see what's going on there. So um, can I move around? Like, if I'm, am I going to be in people's way? I'll try this. Um, um, so what I what what Bill referred to as story, the story block. But, oh, I'm doing the wrong thing. Okay, so where's? Oh no, that was good. Oh, okay. I'll figure it out. Um, is I'm sorry, Susan. Do you know which one is the? Um, uh, you know the little laser thing, <coughs> or maybe it's. Oh no, that's somebody's. Try that. Okay. The left arrow on the right arrow. Yeah. And then the top is that. Oh, that's that. Thank you. Okay, and here. Okay. Oh. Okay. So, oh, is that better? Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. So, story block number two. This is what Bill referred to as a story building, and um, this is actually what we're dealing with today. Is story building number one, built um, in 1890. So, good 11 years earlier. This was all part. This is actually 1898. Bullseye Bozeman, so it's a lot more built up than it was in 1890, but in 1890, Bozeman, as Courtney mentioned earlier, was buying for the Capitol. So they were building up wonderful brick buildings all along Main Street, and Story was a, had a huge part in that. He owned a lot of land in Bozeman to begin with, but he also did um, a fair amount of construction, and this was speculative construction. He was not going to have any offices in this building. All right. and. Again, a lot of this is um, a bit of a piggyback on what's come before. In 1890, the Opera House and City Hall on the left was built. Wonderful structure where the Sroptimus Park now is um, for like the last 50 years. The Bozeman Hotel built in 1890 as well. So this is what's going on at the same time our story building number one is being built. This is actually at the east end of Main Street. And where my office now proudly is, <clears throat> is the Tilton building, um, obviously torn down in 65 for the Bill Grabo um, City Hall that is now CTA's offices in Rockford Coffee, if any of you are thirsty. So, and, and this gives you a lay of the land in terms of the geography. Am I in your way? Okay. Um, we have um, a lot of historic districts in Bozeman. The Main Street Historic District is where we're focusing right now. You can see that in the blue. Um, showing where the Masonic Temple is at Main and Tracy, the Bozeman Hotel that we just discussed, and the Opera House, excuse me, that's demolished. So that gives you the pretty much the lay of the land of what was being built, the, the area that was focused on in 1890. You know, I guess I'll just skip the notes. So Nelson's story again. Um, I'm just going to go through this because you've already seen all this. This is sort of setting the stage, and I'm really glad that the context has been set. The house that uh, Bill was referring to is right here in 1889, turned around and um, relocated elsewhere on the site. You can see it says Story Building built, uh, being built, this is 1890, and it's 
um, a two-story typical commercial block building of the time on the right here so it's called a two-part because the lower part the first floor is distinct from any floors above it and they had six wonderful storefronts along here and they actually um, oh let me point out the story of building two is right here from 1901 cs hair designed that building so we don't have original drawings for the building, although it was built by, designed by Galbraith of Livingston. And I'll admit, I'm sorry, I don't know much about him, but um, these types of processes are always um, a continual effort, so we're not done. But um, when um, Wilson came along to remodel the building in the 1950s, um, he documented the existing conditions. So that's what we have for what the building would have looked like approximately in 1890. The basement, had windows all along, and we'll get into that. We'll talk about the vaulted sidewalk a little bit, and um, all the barren walls that separated all the storefronts went through to the basement as well. So you'll see those six divisions of long, narrow spaces. For and it's we have it's a pretty long building. We're talking about 120 feet across the front and 99 um, across Tracy Avenue. North is at the bottom. Um, I think the newspapers accounted for it being 120 by 105. Close enough, right? First floor storefronts, which is um, you know obviously a great way for the stories when they first built the building to generate some income because they did own it until they sold it to the Masons later. Um, and you'll see again the same brick walls that are extending all the way throughout the spaces and dividing them. If any of you are familiar with this building, this it says piece there, pieces. Um, this, these two storefronts are where Miller's Jewelry is. That's a big staple downtown. Um, and the second floor, again, divided with brick walls between all the units. And um, interestingly enough, the second floor was never really used in, um, heavily at all until the Masons came along in 1950. There were, there, the Polk Directory for 1890, and I'm looking at Chelsea because she's the one who found this, and we need to follow up on this, show that Nelson Story Jr. and his wife Eva lived on the second floor at least that year. I don't know where their restroom was. Um, we will get into that again, as, as Bill said, as for a future um, discussion. Um, but here's our building in um, circa 1902. Um, actually, um, I think the um, records show this as 1900, but we know the um, Montana Power Block building wasn't built until about 19, somewhere between 1900 and 1904. But here's our building here. You can see, I'm trying to blow it up so you can see the beautiful corbeling and the real stress of the, the um, emphasis on the corner block there with um, the corbeling, the panels, and the piers and how we have wonderful brick hoods at the windows and limestone lintels. So a really lovely building with very tall storefront and the iron columns there that are really quite striking. Steps up into all of the storefronts. And the blow up of that here, because you'll see that that does change later. Um, we don't have the columns any longer or the steps up. And we have w the windows were here. Those were where I showed you we had basement windows. These windows went um, from the first floor down to the basement. And you could, um, it's kind of hard to see here, but you could deliver um, equipment down into your um, basement area there. Now, uh, that's trying to show you what was going on there. This is actually the basement of F11, which is at the far west 
sorry, far east end of the block. And the windows have been boarded up in the basement. We no longer have that access through the sidewalk areas. This would, this, so you go to MSU Special Collections and they treat you very well. They open, as Courtney mentioned earlier, they open up a lot of wonderful folders and show you all these drawings. And you go to the story number two folder that CS Hare and you find this other building that is not story number two and it's, they, it's labeled as the story block south side of Main Street and it's not even dated. Um, I, I need to walk down Main Street. Maybe we can all do that. Actually, this actually looks like the building where um, Copper is. If you look at all that, but Copper's on the north side of the street. And then there are other drawings for a story building on the north side of the street. Some of them are number two and some of them aren't. So there's obviously more research to do here. But I referred to earlier the um, basement windows. So this was, a, the, I bring this up partly because Story was really out there doing a lot of development, but also because they had very similar um, patterns of construction for a lot of these buildings down on Main Street. The two part where you have the second floor quite distinct, distinguished from the first floor um, storefronts. And then you also had, um, this was, they called this an iron grate here, so you could see the light down into the window area. You could also do deliveries through that as well. And here is what I refer to as during block number two, and these are the original drawings for it from C.S. Hare. So Fred Wilson, again, another um, architect that we're going to hear a lot about today, um, and luckily Courtney has set the stage for him, and I just, I apologize for the old photo of the museum as well. It looks a lot better now. Everything's always improving um, every year. but. Um, Fred Wilson did design the Baxter, and I loved your photo of him because Courtney, his diaries, which Kim Allen Scott was kind enough to put on a disc for me because um, Bernice de Haas had translated, transcribed most of them. So he, in the front of his diaries, he talks about how he weighs 178 in 1905, and then, well, gosh, he weighs a lot more <laughs> at the um, later diaries, and you can see that in the photograph. Um, Yes, don't we all? But so Wilson was involved, I mean, uh, he was involved in the Nelsons a lot. And when he, when he started his career um, uh, as a, a proprietor of his own firm in 1910, the diary talks about how this, um, stories called him and he's going to design this building for them. They just um, automatically embraced him, wanted him, and, and he, frankly, he was. Um, part of the family of Bozeman. He was friends with the stories. He had dinner with his parents, Lester Wilson, and I can't remember his mother's um, name, almost every night. And the diaries are full of the names of all those people that we know of as movers and shakers in Bozeman that he's spending a lot of time with. So he was very well connected. He worked with, this is 1916, actually at the same time, 1915, 1916, he's working on renovating the second floor of story block number two. The same time he's working for Nelson Story Jr. at this point to uh, potentially redo the storefronts um, uh, on the um, our story building number one. And you can see it's removal of all the columns and trying, actually the, the drawings are called um, uh, they looked at lowering the level of the floor. They were looking to get at the same level as the sidewalk. They, were, they weren't talking about accessibility, but they could have been. So luckily, they've done us a favor in this regard that the, the storefronts are accessible. 
um, for, for handicap, but the whole idea was to be able to provide modern arcaded entries where you um, have a recess into the entry and you slope up. But this, it does not appear that any of this work was done. We've been looking at the building physically and looking at the diaries. We see no evidence that any of this work was done. Um, despite the um, effort to draw it up. Granted, we have to think about what time period we are um, in um, during the World War One. But so, And you can see also there's a 1916 photograph that shows that indeed um, the columns and the step-ups are still there. Um, and then, Blue. Did you know this? William Plew, at some date and time, was working for the stories to revamp the exterior to make it look much more like Mission Revival style. You see, lovely, this is the same building. Um, and actually, you know, so these are our storefronts. Um, and this one storefront is to remain, and the other storefronts are new storefronts. Um, but you can see the lovely clay tile work up at the um, piers and all along the parapets and adding attic windows, changing out the windows. Um, and um, frankly, what, what this part of what this talk is about is about the flexibility of buildings and how their structures may remain pretty much intact and pretty much the same, but we tend to treat the skins as mutable. And they relate to our stylistic preferences, possibly our owner's desires, to um, improve the economic viabilities of their buildings because it's all about keeping up in, with the times and stylistically and also, and in this sense, re actually using the second floor. This was, north is still at the bottom here, and this is Main Street. This second floor has an open courtyard and he has all these apartments in here. Luckily he showed a very specific refrigerator, so we know that it's between 1927 and 1936 that these drawings were put together. And he has a lovely array of apartments and he actually showed what the interior of that courtyard would look like. It was going to be absolutely lovely. Um, so, but we think, was it 1930? Not really sure. Maybe it wasn't the best timing economically to go ahead and pursue this. Um, but it would have generated more income for the stories. Um, but there was all these little bits and pieces. There was, it does seem, something done there from these drawings. Um, because the corner storefront where we have pieces, they, he showed using a, um, a circle, a bulletproof, a crushproof, sorry, round sidewalk light. And if you know those vaulted sidewalks where you have light um, coming through down into the basement areas, this is exactly what Plu was designing here. And you can see he's showing structure and he's showing the corner pier that's right here. And you can see both, all these photos have dogs in them. So Bozeman has been a dog. I, okay, it's back. Okay, Bozeman has been a dog town for a long time. Um, you could enter, you could go all the way, you could go through in one, in one side and out the other. And what it looks like, it's still there in the basement. This is the basement of Miller's. You can see those beautiful little circular lights set in the concrete. This is looking up at the ceiling of the basement. They're since been covered, but this is what they would look like. This is actually in Cheyenne, but this gives you an idea. This is where you're providing light down into the basement space. And that actually provides access as well. We had these all over um, Bozeman. Now, the cast iron columns and the sloped, um, the cast iron columns are still here circa 1930 but the um, entries are sloped, and you can see, oh, again, this is the lady with her dog, um, the um, entry there at PCs. And, and they have actually 
really quite um, nice still um, cornice work there that's still in, in really good condition. Again, um, more you know, Wilson, Wilson keeps kind of coming back um, a, a, as a um, designer and architect for the story, and this is for Etha M story. These, these, this was um, implemented, and one of them still remains. I've given you the names of the, of the um, stores up here because they label these store number one, two, three, and then in a different drawing, it's one, two, three, the other direction. So it's really hard to keep track of that. But we're using modern names here for the Headroom, um, Cosmica, and um, ERA um, uh, real estate. He provides specifications, and these give, give us great clues because when we first started working on the building, we saw that there was tapestry brick on the piers and thought, well, that's not 1890, that's going to be 1915, 1925 or maybe somewhere within that time period. So we knew that some changes had occurred. And even though we don't have drawings that say when they did or exactly what happened, we do know that when this 1937 design was implemented, he talked about brick pier, red tapestry brick with stripped joints to match piers at adjoining stores. So obviously before 37, some of these piers have already been changed and some more are going to be changed with this. And then raising, we remove all of present fronts, including cast iron columns, concrete bases, entrance slabs, show windows, and backing. Well, you know, it's all for the better good of it, and look how nice it, nice it looked. See, this was, so this is the headroom with, uh, turn, turn spindles up here um, in front of glass, and you can see these sort of Tudor type shaped um, wood components there, and then you see those arched, almost like a greenhouse, right? There she goes, right there. The turned columns and the um, arched window openings, and then this is where ERA is. So changes keep happening. Well, this is the one that's stayed the same. This is the 1937 tile. And this is our wonderful Tudor wooden components there. Here's the tapestry brick I was referring to, with the alternation with stone and tapestry brick. And you can get into the detail and count the brick. We now have eight courses of brick, whereas they had 10 before. So did they have narrower stone? We're still trying to figure out some of this stuff, but how much do we need to know? Well, we will find out more later. But um, the corner um, pieces was updated with vitrolite, beautiful black, shiny marble in 1940, again by Fred Wilson. And you see that here. Okay, um, and so, oh, ah, well, so th that's what happened here. Everything else is pretty much the same, but this wonderful, um, really um, classy storefront was installed at that point, and the um, Tracy entrance removed. So enter the Masonic Temple. These guys have been looking for a home for a long time. You know, we have two temples. I'm not going to go into that whole political discussion. Um, and they did actually look at combining a few times and then voted against that. If you, I mean, so they combined for a bit, then they would separate. Um, but they are separate now, still. Um, this is, um, the first lodge was Gallatin Lodge number six, and Bozeman Lodge number 18 um, was founded in 1872. They actually bunked in the same quarters for a lot of their time, but obviously they wouldn't use the lodge rooms at the same time. Um, but so this is where, um, the um, Bozeman Lodge was residing um, for quite a while, and then they were in the Chambers Fishers building until 1950. But it's 1935 that the stories come along and say, would you like, so this is at the same time that 
um, Wilson is doing those storefront improvements. The stores come along and say, would you like to rent the building? They want to get some income, I think. You know, They're also trying to be friendly. I think um, Nelson Story Jr. was a mason, and you'll see some plaque that um, uh, refers to that. But um, So they offered to rent the building to the masons. The masons went back and forth on that. The masons also bought property. Um, around, um, I think it was 1914, they spent about 6500 for this lot here. Um, and if you can remember, this is um, where the story, the original story house is still. But this, this is the 1912 Sanborn. I keep doing that. Um, this is the 1912 Sanborn. So they bought, they bought, did I like turn it? They bought a piece of property. They bought a piece of property um, because they were actually thinking of building a brand new building. And should we build a brand new building that um, has income generation in it or not? So those are some of the arguments that are discussions they were having. And, but the, they were also looking at what else was going on around town. And this is a Fred Wilson project from 1928. Um, so, and this goes again to the mutability of skin. We all love this building, don't we? This beautiful, wonderful kind of mission revival style. This is the very same building that Wilson gave a new face to in 28. So um, when they're talking with Wilson, there, there are a lot of discussions on the table. And this one here, he's starting in 1935 as early as that um, to figure out how they could fit into, into the second floor of this building. And he has comparisons there against their present dining room, their present lodge room, so that he could show that you'll have a lot more square footage here. It will work a lot better for you. Um, and um, so the, what the Masons decided what the Masons decided to do, they um, offered the stories. Um, to, they wanted to buy the building, so they bought the building from the, bought the, building from the stories in 49. Um, with the deal, they'd have a 25-year lease, and the very last $10,000 would be paid for by the Story family. Because um, I think Nelson Jr. had even passed away at this point, so it's Nelson the Third there. Nelson the Third and um, his wife that they're dealing with. Um, so. They sold their they sold their lot. I think it was for twenty seven or twenty eight thousand dollars. They made some money on it, and I think they paid one hundred eighty five thousand dollars for the building, um, and engaged Wilson to do more work on figuring out the layout of the the building. I don't know, but there I'll just keep talking. It. So the the, I, the idea was: Do we do an addition here or not? And this says out. Um, they're working through other plants, and what if they did in addition, they could have more space. Um, you'll see right there, this is actually if we're looking, um, it would cut a line through the building north-south while we're front standing at Tracy. Um, and this is what Wilson ended up drawing up for them, doing in addition just like that. You see um, pieces um, wonderfully storefront here from 1940. You'll see he's taken away arches, he's taken away piers, he's taken away corbeling, um, leaving lintels. There's a lot of things that came out, were removed and shaved off of this building. Wood double-hung windows replaced with steel casements and awnings to really bring it up to date. And you can see that um, generation of the storefronts that came along that we've been discussing from 37 and 1940. You can see a line here where he's going to even out the level of the whole parapet. That's the addition up there. This is what 
the, um, this must be the first floor, what it's looking like. And you can see still a very similar division of the storefronts. This is what the second floor looks like. So if any of you were in the room last night, this is where we were sitting, looking that way. This is where the screen was. Um, we came up these stairs here. Am I? Okay, well, we will. Um, um, Quarterstone Lane, around the time the um, Pioneer Building was built, um, being laid in um, Hel uh, Helena, Nelson's story essentially did give them the extra, you know, paid off that 10000 at the end. This is what it looked like, very international. And then it started falling apart. You can see a lot of cracking and water damage underneath the windows. Got a facelift in 1980. Cheever, who had worked for Wilson, designed a, a new facade, covering up the windows with insulation, stucco, and brick piers. You can see them marching along much more. They wanted to make it more regular. Um, we started doing explorations with some funding from the Masonic Temple and the Downtown Business Partnership. We thought, what is underneath there really? What do the drawings really say? What was removed, what wasn't? We found that there was a lot remaining. Yes, there's some things that have been removed, but on the left shows you where the exposure was taken. The right shows you what we found. So the stone and brickwork were still there. Um, had the guys up there with a lift, found, um, oh, well, I'm not sure what, anyway, we'll keep going. Um, you can see headroom is still here. We were looking at the um, tapestry brick right here. I'm removing this brick. Here are the windows once you remove the wall on the inside face. Um, and this is the plan. Um, we're um, essentially going to restore what we call the Main Street side um, and wrap it around the corner. They are going with raising the pilasters here, rebuilding brickwork. Um, there isn't enough remaining on the Tracy Street side, so we'll be doing a new facade there, essentially a rain screen, and um, a wonderful welcoming um, curtain wall because the Masons really want people to come in and engage with them and know that they have their space there. So I hope you go there, um, and they're um, always happy to have you anytime. Thank you for your time.